Questions from the last class at all? Any clarifications before we begin? Okay. So um, I'm just going to go over a quick recap from last class, just basically, because today's class is a continuation. So last class, uh, we discussed the three states of consciousness that we all go through, waking, dream, and deep sleep. All of us go through these states. All of us go through these states of consciousness throughout our lives, but none of us think about what is going on. We never analyze these three states. We never think what's happening to me. So we discussed and analyzed these states in the last class. Waking state of consciousness is when you are awake. You are the waker, experiencing the waking world. Right now, we are all the waker. Tonight, we go to bed. We can be either in the dream state or deep sleep state. When we are dreaming in the dream state, we become the dreamer experience the dream world, which is totally different from the waking world. Then you become the deep sleeper when you experience sleep without the dream. When you assume the position of the deep sleeper, you experience nothing, blank, zero. There are no thoughts or emotions. Each state is only available to that state of consciousness. So these three states we are going through, waker, dreamer, deep sleeper states, they're said to be conditioned states. They're conditioned, meaning not your original state. They're conditioned by pure consciousness, Atman that is within you. Atman conditioned by the causal body, your vasanas, is a deep sleep state. Atman conditioned by the subtle body is the dream state, where there is emotions and thoughts, mind and intellect. Atman conditioned by the gross body is the waking state, where you have the use of the physical body. We only identify with one particular state throughout our lives, either the waker, dreamer, or deep sleeper. We never identify with the Atman the unconditioned consciousness, the self, our true personality. Pure consciousness is one and only one. It is unknown to us. We have no awareness of the pure consciousness.
And we said that, which one is real? The waking, dream, deep sleep, or the, or the fourth state, which one's real? The definition of reality is what exists in the past, present, and future, that which exists forever. None of the three states fulfill this definition of reality. Hence, all three states are regarded as unreal. Only the consciousness exists in all three states. This is the Supreme Self, the I. It stands the test of reality and is the core of our personality. We call the self or God. Find the self. It's our life mission, life's mission. So these spiritual books written by saints who have become self-realized and conditioned are supposed to wake us up from these three conditioned states. So we can see beyond these three states. So today we discuss this fourth state, the unconditioned state. Remember we said all our life we have been drinking Coke, Fanta and Sprite. We have never tasted pure water. So this fourth state is like tasting pure water. And today we discuss how to get to this state and what this state is like. These are quite deep, deep topics. So we need to sort of concentrate so you can understand it. And you won't understand it first time around. You will have to read and think about it. Any clarifications? Okay. The fourth state. Can you read the first paragraph, please? In the waking, dream, and deep sleep states of consciousness, you become the waker, dreamer, and deep sleeper. All through your life as a waker, dreamer, and deep sleeper, you refer to yourself in the first person singular pronoun. I, but you know that the waker, dreamer, and deep sleeper are distinct and different from one another. Hence, these three unequal factors cannot be I. I is not the waker or dreamer or deep sleeper. I is apart from them. The self that holds the three personalities together, the pure consciousness. The fourth state, known as Thurya, Thurya means fourth. Surya is the state of reality, the supreme state of peace and bliss. Those who have reached that state in different periods of history have declared that to be the absolute state of fulfillment. So he's saying what we've just covered. We experience the three states of consciousness throughout our lives. The minute we are born, but these three states are all different from each other. What we don't realize is that these are all conditioned states. From birth to death, we're going through these states in complete ignorance of our true state. It's like we are drunk throughout our lives. But the I is separate from these three states. We say, I am the waker, I am the dreamer, I am the deep sleeper. So the I, this represents the fourth state. 
is called Durya in Sanskrit, the state of pure consciousness. Those who have reached this state has declared it as the state of pure bliss, pure contentment. So another way to understand is, we say, I am a teacher, I am a wife, I am a husband, I am a daughter, I am a son, I am a father, I am a mother, I am a businessman. Who is, who, who is these things? Who is these things? Who is this I in this context? Anyone? Say I am a mother, I am a father. Who is the I? Yeah, Tamish. The waker. The waker, thank you. So the I is the waker. Similarly, we say I am the waker, the dreamer, the deep sleeper. Who is the I in this? Who is the I in this context? Anyone? Who is the I in this context? The consciousness, the real. Consciousness, the pure consciousness. The fourth state. Can everyone turn their mics off, please? Thank you. So, when we say I'm the waker, dreamer, deep sleeper, I is the unconditioned consciousness, the fourth state. Okay, everyone clear with that? Great. Krishna Ben, number two, paragraph two, please. A bit slower. Thank you. Sorry. The fourth state is proclaimed as the real state. <clears throat> your original self. You are unaware of your real self. The nature of yourself is infinite peace and bliss. You have lost your original nature. You try to regain peace and bliss from the world. There is a constant pressure on you to gain more and more. You do not stop this pursuit until you reach your original state. Only a few rare souls who reach the state of self-realization have ended the pursuit of happiness. They do not find the need to pursue it anymore. Absolutely fulfilled, they revel in the bliss of their own self. The pressure to gain more happiness ends when one reaches one's original state of infinite bliss. So like anything in the world, everyone wants to go back to its original state. This fourth state is regarded as the real state, our real nature. We are unaware of this state. We have lost this state. And, and on top of that, we are ignorant of the fact that we have lost this state. See, the ironic part of this is that we are not ourselves. Our original nature is the self, Atman. But we're not even aware of it. We're not even aware that we've, we are that. We're not aware that we've lost that state. 
So this is total ignorance. This is what they're talking about. They're walking around in total ignorance, like a drunkard. So what do we do? Everybody wants to get back to the original state. What do we do as humans? We're constantly trying to find peace and happiness in the world. There's a constant pressure to have more of everything. There's a constant pressure to have more of everything in our life. We are never content. They're saying this will never stop until you reach that fourth state. Does that make sense? We are under pressure to reach back to our state, but we will never get there. And this pressure equates to finding peace and happiness in the world. That's why we're constantly looking for happiness in the world. Just a minute. Paragraph three, please. The pressure that a human being experiences to reach his original nature is akin to that an object goes through to regain its original state. A coil spring compressed exerts pressure until it reaches its full length. A sponge squeezed exerts pressure until it regains its original form. So it is with human beings. So, as you said, like anything in the world, everything wants to go back to its original state. So do we. And that pressure we experience will only stop once we reach that state. So it gives an example, coil spring, four feet high. Yeah? If you put pressure on it, if you press it down, there's pressure on your palm because it wants to get back to its original state. When you put it up to three feet, if you put it to two feet, there's immense pressure. Three feet, there's less pressure. When he goes back to his original state of four feet, no pressure. It's reached his original state. A sponge, you squeeze it. You let go, it goes back to his original state. A cane, you put pressure on a cane, bend it. There'll be pressure on your palms for it to go straight again. And until it goes straight, there will be pressure. So the same thing is happening to us. There's a pressure within us. So how does this pressure manifest in us? How does the pressure manifest in us, Deepa? Our desires. Our desires. And and the five senses. The pressure in us is to find peace and happiness using those desires and five senses. Every human is in pursuit of peace and happiness, joy, pleasure, bliss, all means the same. This is why we're constantly doing this, because we're not at our original state. Think about it. What drives you? So we're all trying to get back to the original state. 
just like the spring and the cane. Every human being feels an inherent pressure, compulsion to seek more and more pleasure, joy and happiness through the body, mind and intellect. There seems no end to your physical, emotional and intellectual demands. Your pursuit never ends. You do not rest content until you reach your original being, your supreme self. Only when you realize yourself within would you be free from internal pressure. Reveling in the absolute bliss of your original state, there is no need to seek further peace or happiness. This is evidenced by all those who have attained the fourth state of self-realization. So this is what it's saying. Until we reach that state, we'll have constant pressure. pressure. Every human being is in pursuit of something. Peace, happiness, joy, pleasure, bliss. And you, you try to get this from buying things, from possessions, from experiences, whatever it may be. One person picks up a cigarette for pleasure. One person avoids their smoke for pleasure. It all depends on the individual, based on their vastness. But this is what we're doing the minute we wake up. We are constantly knowing or without knowing, looking for happiness in the world. How? As Deepa said, with the body, mind and intellect, your five senses. This will not end. The body wants to look good, good physical shape. The mind wants good emotions. I feel good. The intellect constantly wants knowledge. You're constantly pursuing name, fame, wealth, power. This is the pressure we're talking about. We're never content, never happy. He's saying you will never find contentment in these things. Never. This is what these sages are saying. No one has yet found peace and happiness with these things. It's all temporary. So what are we doing? It's madness, isn't it, really? Think about it. Since the minute we wake up, this is the ignorance we're talking about. The ignorance of our true self. And this is how it manifests. That ignorance, this is how it manifests. That pressure. In the world, running, chasing after things. Whatever that may be. It's different for different people. I'm sure you can work out what that what it is that you're chasing. I don't need to tell you. So they're saying these worldly things that we chase after are all limited, temporary joy. It will not take you to your true self, the infinite, the permanent. 
It's like you're trying to plug a circular hole with a square plug. It will never fit. You'll only be fulfilled when you reach your original state because this is your true nature. So if you feel pressure in the world, this is why it is. When you reach your original nature, the original state, there is no internal pressure to find joy because your original state is complete. This is the state of complete bliss. See, if you read the life of these great saints, Swami Ramatita, Swami Tapavan, Swami Ramana Maharishi, these great people had nothing, but they were completely content. Why, anyone? Why are they completely content? Yeah, Deepa. Is it because they've managed to reduce their desires and look within themselves? Yep, and they've reached the fourth state. Thank you. Because they've reached that state, there is no more pressure for them to look for anything in the world. They've found it. They've found true peace and happiness. And they realize, as Deepa said, it's within, not external. The Buddha was a prince, had everything. And he gave it all up. Why did he give it up? He realized the pressure doesn't go, it's still there. He left everything. He realized the truth. Dharmish. I mean, like I read this chapter and I still understand a few things. Okay. If you, you found any clarification based on what we've just covered. Yeah, so if these people have found bliss, why are they still in this state? Why are they in this, what state? The waking state. Why are they still in the waking state? That's because they still have desires, isn't it? Good question. But they haven't found bliss. Good question. Anybody, anybody, any ideas? Why are they still in this state? Very good question, Dharmesh. They've reached the fourth state, he's saying, yeah, and they found total peace and happiness. Or Why are they still here? Sorry? Or claim to find bliss. Why are they still here? In the world, in the waking world. Why are they still here? Deepa? Did you have an answer? Oh. Anybody? Ravi? They've still got to exhaust their vasanas and um, any sort of desires that are left in there, you may still find your fourth state of consciousness, but you've still got to exhaust your vastness, your time spent. Mm. When you're born, you're born with 
X amount of vasanas. There are some vasanas that you can exhaust for experience. There are some vasanas that you can reduce yeah, by putting effort in, which from learning this subject we are doing. Yeah, we're learning how to reduce our desires and our vasanas. But there are some vasanas that you have to go for experience to, to finish them. You don't have a choice. So these great saints who have reached that fourth state, they have vasanas still, which they have to exhaust. They may be of nothing. Rama Maharishi never spoke after he reached self-realization. He never uttered a word. But they're still in this world because there are still vasanas that they need to exhaust, but they may be very, very, very few. And they won't be vasanas like what we're trying to experience. They'll be of a very different nature because they'd reach that state. But in theory, they're, still wait they're just waiting for death to finish in this state. It's like you're driving on a motorway, 70 miles an hour, yeah? Suddenly you find that you run out of fuel. So there's no more fuel left. Will the car suddenly stop? Why not? It has motion. It's still moving. Similarly, the vasanas are all gone. But there are still some parabda vasanas, they're called which are driving them still forward. But they have reached that state. There's nothing that they want. You give them anything, they don't want it. That's why they're still here. It's quite a subtle concept, which comes later on. Does that make sense? Well, I don't know if it may not make sense to you, yeah, which is fine. Yeah? But just accept that for now that the reason they're still here is because there are certain vasanas which are still, as they said, motion. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that as soon as your vasanas are finished, you're just dead, you drop dead. It doesn't mean that. So, question. Yeah, I was gonna add that. We're yeah. correlating fourth state with death. Yeah. But that's not true. You can reach the fourth state in the waking in the waking state. So in a sense. That's right. So it's only in the waking state you can reach this state, you see. But that doesn't mean you'll drop dead straight away. Is that okay? Dermesh? That's the best I can do, explanation wise. Yeah. But in the Bhagavad Gita when we cover it, it comes goes into a bit more detail. But I don't want to go into that right now because we're going slightly off subject. Yeah, but it is, it is in there and we will explain it one day. But for now, just accept it as that. Just a The fourth state is pure consciousness. The self-realized one emerges that infinite consciousness, like a river merging with the ocean. That's 
state is an experience beyond the reach of your body, mind and intellect. It is not an object of experience. It is the subject of all experiences. You cannot contact it physically, nor feel it emotionally, nor conceive it intellectually. You can only become that eternal being like a dreamer becomes the waker. Shedding the conditioning of the waker, dreamer and deep sleeper, you regain your unconditioned supreme self. You achieve this by effacing ignorance through the process of attaining knowledge of the self. So he's stating, paragraph is stating how this process of becoming one with the fourth state happens. The fourth state is pure consciousness. You become one with the infinite consciousness. Like a river becomes one with the ocean. But he's saying you cannot be experienced with the body cannot be experienced with the mind, it cannot be experienced with the intellect. You can't see it, you can't hear it, you can't touch the self, you can't taste or smell it. So you can't perceive it with the organs of perception, you can't feel it with the mind. You can't perceive it with the intellect. You can only become that being. It's the subject, not an object. Now, how to explain that? So if you're looking for a telescope, yeah? If you're looking for a telescope, you can see everything with the telescope when you point it out. But what can't you see? Yourself. Yourself. In the same way, this is the subject, not an object. So therefore, the physical body, the, your sense organs, your mind, your intellect cannot contact it. You can only become it. Just like a river becomes one with the ocean. So these people have reached that fourth state, Dhammesh. They've become one with the ocean. You can only become that being. I'll give you another example. It's like when the dreamer transitions from the dream state and becomes the waker. Bear with me. The dreamer transitions from the dream state and becomes the waker. The dreamer, does he have any concept of the waker? The dreamer cannot understand or use his personality to understand the waker, can he? He can only become the waker when he wakes up from the dream. Same thing. The dreamer can only become the waker. Similarly, the waker can only become one with the pure consciousness in the same way, same transition.
So how do you reach this state? It's saying, it's asking, how do you reach this state? How do we reach this state? Anyone? Increasing your knowledge. Um, Increasing your knowledge. By removing your ignorance. Right now, as we said, we're all drunk in the waking world. We don't know our real condition. We're all in ignorance, meaning we don't have knowledge of the fourth state. That's all it means. Ignorance means lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge of the your real tr true self, your true personality. So with knowledge, we get rid of that ignorance. You see, most of our content in our ignorance, this is the problem. We're happy going through these three states of consciousness. Some people, they have no avenue because they're not privy to this knowledge. So they stay in ignorance. Some people get attracted to this knowledge. Why? Because there's something inside them, we call the subtle intellect, something inside them that forces them towards this subject, that pressure for freedom, for liberation. It's in very few people. Most people are content. They won't even question. So you get to the fourth state by removing your ignorance with knowledge of the self, the fourth state, which is what we're doing in these classes. We're gaining knowledge. So as we gain knowledge, so some of you who have been in this class for some time and reached and, and uh, got a little bit of knowledge, you see it starts making you objective in the world. You start thinking more. You start looking at your desires. You start evaluating your desires. Now you have knowledge to do that. Before, you didn't. When you were in ignorance, you just went through the stages. Waking up, going to bed, going through your life, chasing, chasing, chasing. Now you're saying, you're stepping back and thinking, hang on, what am I chasing? What are these desires? Where did that come from? Knowledge, through knowledge. By you attending these classes, by you reading the book. This is how you've got the knowledge. Now you, that's why you're questioning. Before you didn't question, you didn't have the knowledge. Any clarifications? So now it talks about how do we gain this knowledge? We've just said you come to Sunday class and we're gaining this knowledge. But it talks about four ways of gaining this knowledge. And we talk about these four ways in more detail. The first way is pratyaksha, direct perception. The second is anumana, inference. We'll go in more detail. Third is upama, comparison. And the fourth is agama, tradition. So these four ways of gaining knowledge of the self 
is discussed in the next few paragraphs. Are you all with me? Yeah, just stop me if you have any clarifications because it's a hard one to get your head around this. Because it's unknown to us. <laughs> this fourth state is unknown to us. We've never been there. <laughs> so it's, it's, more, it's more abstract. So it's a little bit more difficult to understand. And Ravi's going to read the first way of gaining knowledge, Pataksha, direct perception. Pataksha, one way of gaining knowledge is by perception through your sense organs. Your eyes see color and form of an object, and you know the nature of that object. Your ears hear sound, nose smells, tongue tastes and skin feels the touch. The organs of perception are used to gain the knowledge of the world. But these senses cannot know the self, Atman within. You cannot gain the knowledge of self by direct perception. So that's pretty straightforward. It's saying you cannot gain knowledge of the self through direct perception. Just, we sort of covered it briefly, previously. We can gain knowledge of the world by direct perception using our sense organs. We see color and form in the world. I ask you, have you seen the Eiffel Tower? Vigil, have you seen the Eiffel Tower? You have. You say, no, I haven't seen it. Okay, well, it's never taken me to Paris. So, you take the Eurostar or flight and go and see the Eiffel Tower. Now you have seen it. You have touched it. And now you know it. Direct perception. Yeah? But the Atman, the self, cannot be seen like that, it's saying. So, direct perception is out. We can't gain knowledge of the self through direct perception. Because, as we said, it is not an object. Just like the Eiffel Tower, it is not an object. So we cannot contact the self or get knowledge of the self through direct perception. If, for example, Dharmesh is self-realized and you say to Dharmesh, show me the self. Dharmesh will say, I cannot show it to you. You ask any self-realized soul, they cannot show you the self. So therefore, we cannot gain knowledge of the self through this process by using our senses. So this method is out. So then let's look at the next method of gaining knowledge, which is Anumana, inference. Okay. Anumana, another method of gaining knowledge is through inference. Just as you see smoke and infer there is fire, though you may not actually see the fire, you could employ this method to gain, sorry, to get to know the self. You learn from knowledge and experience that an extroverted, intelligent life leads one to mental agitation and sorrow. Conversely, introverted pursuit of truth brings inner peace and joy. The more introvert, objective you are, the more peaceful, joyful you become. 
The pleasures of the physical body may be enjoyable, but they have a limitation. They become insignificant before emotional feelings. The emotion of joy that the mind derives is subtler. Superior to physical indulgence, one could give up a physical pleasure for an emotional joy. Far superior and subtler than emotional feeling is intellectual satisfaction. To gain the ecstasy of intellectual wisdom, one would readily sacrifice one's emotional joy or physical pleasure. Thus, your happiness increases as you dwell deeper into your personality. Stretch this principle further to the innermost core of your personality, the self within. You infer the bliss of the self to be supreme. So inference, it's saying, it's a long paragraph, so we'll break it down. What it's saying, inference means you see smoke and you assume that there is a fire, even though you don't see the flames, yeah? So the inference here is there's smoke, there must be fire. This is what you infer from smoke, that there's fire. This is knowledge for inference. So it's saying similarly, you can use the method to understand the self. And it's saying that you understand that internal joy is far superior to external joys. Can you get up? Because you need to paint. Uh, Rabbi, you need to turn your mic off, please. So the inference here is emotional joy is superior to physical pleasure. Example, I'll give you a chocolate. I'll give you a lint bar. Nilam. No, you don't have children, sorry. Shashi, I'll give you a lint bar. You have a choice. You can eat it yourself or you can take it and give it to Trisha. The joy you get when you see your children enjoying the chocolate, how is that compared to you eating it? It's higher, isn't it? Yeah? You get more pleasure by giving that bar of chocolate to your children and seeing them eat it than yourself. So that means emotional pleasure is far superior than physical pleasure. That's if you're an emotional person. So the pleasure is much higher than if you ate the lint by yourself, if you're an emotional person. Is everyone with me? Similarly, if you're an intellectual person, then higher than emotional joy is intellectual joy. You read a good book. Krishnabhan, I know you read a good book. Good, you read a lot of books. You read Shakespeare, a poem by Wordsworth. You're an intellectual you'll get much more pleasure from any physical, emotional pleasure. It takes you somewhere. You get engrossed in that book. How can you compare that to an emotional joy or going to the movies? We always say the book was better than the movie. Why? Intellectual pleasure, greater than physical pleasure. So, that's inference. So now you understand after studying this subject for some time, 
that chasing things in the world only brings mental agitations. But if you go within and try to find the truth of your personality, it will bring you peace and happiness. So more joy than the physical body is joys of the mind. More joy is derived from intellectual pursuits than the mind. So similarly now, you can infer that as you go deeper in your personality, the more joy you will get. So we can say, we can infer, have some understanding, the happiness of getting to the core of our personality, the self, to be the highest level of happiness. This is inference. We infer that the self, the peace and happiness we'll get by being one with the self will be greater than an intellectual, emotional, or physical pleasure. Does everyone understand that? This is inference. See, now you can think in this way because you have some basic knowledge of different states and your physical, emotional, intellectual states. So now we can infer that the self, you may say, well, how do I know the self is a state of absolute bliss and peace and happiness? How? You're just telling me this. How do I know? You may say, you haven't reached there. How do you know? I totally agree. This is what they're inferring here. If emotional pleasure is better than physical pleasure, intellectual pleasure is better than physical and emotional, then we can infer that if we get to the core of our personality, that must have be the state of the highest pleasure. This is all they can state. Any clarifications there? Does everyone understand that? Yeah. Okay. Third way, upama, comparison. Upama, a third means of gaining knowledge is comparison. An unknown object is made known by comparing it to something known to you. The supreme self within is not known to you. The fourth state of self-realization is unknown. One has no idea of that state until one reaches it. However, by drawing a comparison of the fourth and waking states with the waking and the dream states, one could possibly envision the nature of that transcendental experience. The Sastra scripture declares that the entire pluralistic phenomenon phenomena of the world you experience merges into one reality upon self-realization. All the consciousness of perception, emotion, thought, retire to one pure consciousness. This goes beyond human comprehension. How can this solid, substantial world disappear into nothingness? Upama, comparison. So here we get knowledge through the process of comparison. And through comparison, we can get a better idea of the self. 
So it's got an example. When you are in a dream, you can't have a direct perception of the waking state. If you do, then you are awake. Yeah? If you can visualize the waking state, then you must be awake. You're no longer dreaming. So while you're in a dream, you're the dreamer experiencing the dream world. All that's happening in a dream is actually from the waker's mind, isn't it? We all agree? The dream is all part of the waker's mind. The mind of the waker has become everything in the dream. One ray of the mind is your children. One ray of the mind is your husband. One ray of your mind is your house. Where? In the dream. If someone in the dream tells you that all this is not real and it's an illusion, you cannot accept that. Where? In the dream. Someone tells you, hey, this isn't real. You're not a dreamer. You would say, what are you talking about? This is my wife. This is my house, my car, my children. They're in university. What are you talking about? There's something wrong with you. Someone in the dream tells you that all this is not real. It's an illusion. You cannot accept that in the dream. Now you're awake. You accept that it was just a dream, an illusion of the mind. When you wake up from the dream, you understand it was just an illusion. My mind playing tricks, this dream. So they're saying, same way all that is happening here in the waking world right now, you and me, all that you have, your husband, your wife, your children, your car, your house, your business, all that you experience, your perceptions, your emotions, your thoughts, the whole world that you have created, they're all coming from that one reality, Brahman, the Supreme Being, God. That's the comparison. Just as the dreamer wakes up into the waking world, the dreamers, you realize the dream was an illusion. Similarly, they're saying everything here that we are right now is no different than the dream. It just feels more real to you because you're in the waking state. That's all. All comes from that one reality, Brahman, the Supreme Being, God. Father in heaven in Christianity, Allah in Islam. So if you, if Allah has no birthday, no death day, Muhammad had. Father in heaven had no birthday or death day, Jesus had. Brahman has no birthday or death day. Krishna had. So everything in this waking world merges into the self upon self-realization. When you realize that this is no different than the dream, that's all it is. Just like all the canals and streams, all the rivers merge into the one ocean, similarly, you merge with the self. So that transition is like you waking up from the dream. 
Similarly, you wake up from this waking world and become one with the pure consciousness. This is what it's saying. Right now, each of us is a river, a stream, a canal. Eventually, we will all become one with the ocean. That's what it's saying. The means of comparison helps clear this mystery. The transformation of a waker into the self-realized person is akin to the transformation of a dreamer into the waker. The waker views the objects and beings and all his experience in the waking world as distinct, innumerable. So does the dreamer view the dream objects and being and all his experiences in the dream world as distinct and innumerable. The dreamer's experience of the pluralistic phenomena. phenomena of the dream continues as long as the dream lasts. The moment the dreamer wakes up, becomes the waker. The entire dream world falls back into the one waker's mind. The waker instantly realizes that the one mind had diversified into the pluralistic phenomena of the dream. One ray of the mind became the dreamer, another ray, the dreamer's wife, a third, the dreamer's child. Thus, rays and rays of the mind had projected the dream sun, moon, stars, the flora, and fauna. The rest of the dream world, the dreamer's intellect can never conceive, much less accept that the countless things, beings, and experiences are all but the one mind of the waker. Only the waker realizes that. We've just covered that already. The dreamer does not know it's a dream. Only the waker knows. Please carry on. Similarly, as long as the waking state lasts, the waker experiences countless things and beings, emotions and thoughts. The waker's intellect can never conceive except the pluralistic phenomena of the waking world are all nothing but the one supreme reality, Brahma. Only when the waker realizes his supreme self, moves up from the waking to the fourth state of self-realization, the waker and his world merges into that one reality. Thereafter, the reality, Brahma, alone exists. The enlightened then realizes that the entire pluralistic world of the waking state is but the one reality alone. So this is comparison. They compare the dream world to the waking world. Similarly, they're comparing the waking world to the fourth, fourth state. Any clarifications? It only gets deeper as we go deeper in the book. 
and you really need to think about it, contemplate, reflect on it. You won't get it in one in a class unless you, you think about it. So those are the three ways of getting knowledge. Now the fourth way, agama, is tradition. So what is tradition? Tradition is what we're doing now. Pass down. Ruby. Agama, the fourth means of attaining knowledge is through tradition. Tradition is based on time-honored preaching and practice. The ancient sages have tried to expound their ultimate experience of the self, but could not effectively communicate because of the limitations of the body, mind, and intellect to receive it. The fourth plane of God consciousness cannot be captured by the waker's perception, emotion, and thought in the waking state of consciousness, much less through the state of dream and deep sleep. Nothing from the terrestrial world can describe the transcendental being. The sages understood the difficulty of the mortals to conceive the immortal self. Hence, they explained the waking, dream, and deep sleep states of consciousness exhaustedly. They analyzed these states with chaste logic and reason and projected the possibility of the transcendental reality. Following their methodic presentation of facts and figures, one develops a faith in the reality. Not a blind faith, but one that is born of conviction. Such faith is further reinforced by unequivocal declaration of self-realized souls. Rabindranath Tagore, the Indian poet-philosopher, describes his faith as a bird that feels the light and the wings while the dawn is still dark. The Vedantic tra tradition helps you feel the light of consciousness even as you remain in the darkness of ignorance. This is the last way, tradition, another, gain, another way of getting knowledge of the self. Great masters at different times in history taught this knowledge of the self. It's passed down. But they realized that it was difficult for people to understand whilst they were in the waking world with the limited mind and intellect of the waker. They could not use anything from the waking world to describe the fourth state. So therefore, the sages explain these states using deep sleep, dreamer and waker as an example to explain this fourth state. If we didn't have those examples, it would be impossible for us to understand the fourth state. So after learning the subject, we're able to develop some faith that there is a possibility of the fourth state. Even if you say there's a possibility of a fourth state, you've come a long way. You have some, remove some ignorance. The fact that you're even contemplating there could be something. So even Einstein, yeah, he said all my experiments, all my results are all relative. 
meaning relative to the waking state. Compared in the waking state, he's talking about. He had some inkling that there may be something beyond that, but he didn't come across this subject. He didn't study this subject, but he realized from all his experiments that there may be something beyond this. That's why I said all my research, all my results are all relative, meaning relative to the state. So all these sages who wrote about this fourth state was from their own experiences. They wrote at different times in history. They were all self-realized souls. Knowledge is passed down. So it's not blind faith. Babrinath Tagore, great poet, Indian poet, says, describes this faith as a bird that feels the light and sings while the dawn is still dark. The bird that feels the light and sings while the dawn is still dark. The, the bird has faith that dawn is approaching, even though it's still dark and it sings, because it knows, yes, faith, that dawn will come. So similarly, the knowledge of Vedanta helps us to understand the concept of the fourth state better and gives us faith that there could be a fourth state. whilst we are still in the waking state, living in the darkness of ignorance. So we're living in this waking world in ignorance. But this knowledge gives you some idea, some inkling that there could be a fourth state. That's it. Any questions? Ravi. More of an observation than a question, I mean, whilst reading through these paragraphs, um, to experience or get close to self-realization, um, my sort of real relation to that is, effectively, when you go away from technology, from work, you take your two weeks annual holiday, you're depending you know, what where your relative state is. For me, it would be away from technology. There's no work, there's no interference, there's no stress as such. So you, you, know, you take your days out and you're naturally at the most content you'll ever be within that state because you're away from everything. You're, you're actually with yourself effectively. So in relation to, as they say, to experience self, for me, that would be close as getting to that state because there's nothingness. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not checking work. There is no stuff besides being with oneself, even if it's just sitting at the beach and watching the waves. Hmm. So what are you saying as you go in? Yeah, you're, you're going away from everything. There, there is no other agitation from you. So See, people might do yoga. As, Sorry? You in, as you go in, more peace and happiness. This is what we say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I was just wanting to relay that because yeah. it's something that we could all sort of relate to. Some people might do hiking as a holiday, but that's with them. Everyone's with themselves and seems to be at peace when they are. 
You're looking within, you and yourself, hiking in the mountain on your own. So you're looking within. Your, your thoughts are within, not external. This is exactly what we're saying. As you go within, you find more and more peace and happiness. Less agitations. We contact the world, we get agitated because our desires aren't fulfilled. We're constantly chasing fulfillment of desires. Some, de some get fulfilled, some don't. That's the way it is. It's your desires. You created them. The world doesn't have to cater to everyone's desires. It's not made to, like that. Any other clarifications on this topic? The fourth state. The unknown state. But we have some faith now that there may be. Yes, after today's class? Say yes. At least then I've done my job properly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. That's what it's about. Just to give you an inkling. But only you can get there. That's your role, your mission in life. Any questions? Any other clarifications? It's a lot to take in, actually, today's class. Still has got a question. Who to? <laughs> so when he talks about having the faith, um, about the self, or striving and getting, what is it that we're having faith in? Having faith. What is it that we're having faith in? Faith, she's, the question is, what is it that we're having faith in? Yeah? What is it that we're having faith in? Dhanush? The fourth state. Okay, can you elaborate? So, you, we understand through our experiences there's more, but we don't understand how that more comes. So to compare it or understand it, you know that there is something more. And just having that idea is faith. Inference. That there must be something beyond this world. There must be some higher being. That's an understanding and conviction. Which is faith. You have a higher... The bird sings because it knows dawn, light will come. It has faith. You understand that there must be more to life than this. And this knowledge we've just studied says there is, should give you some, create some inkling in your mind, some questions in your mind. Is this it? There must be more to life than this. What is my purpose here? What is my role? I'm born as a human being. What is my role? What do I need to do as a human being? Go as many holidays as possible? Have as many children as possible? I don't know. What is my goal in life? So this knowledge gives you an understanding of what your role is in life. And then 
The faith is that all these self-realized people who have been for thousands of years talking about the same thing, there must be some, something in this. There must be some truth in this. Why is it someone 5,000 years ago saying the same thing as someone 500 years ago? And they've reached that same experience. There must be something there. But this is the faith. What is this consciousness? What makes me tick? This is the faith. Something beyond. This God principle. Is that okay? Any other questions? Thank you, Dharmesh. Any other clarifications before we log off? So Wednesday we'll take on any questions once you've read and thought about it and made some notes and if you have any clarifications that can help you understand this topic better, then we can take them up on Wednesday. So do think about it, yeah? Because the more you think about it, the more you contemplate and reflect on it, the better the understanding will be. We can only, uh, in the class, discuss these subjects. The rest you have to do. The effort is something you have to put in. As we said, it has to be an, this knowledge has to have an, have an internal change. There has to be a uh, reaction within. And that reaction will only happen if you put the effort in to think about it. Otherwise, nothing will happen. I think we discussed it on Wednesday's class, isn't it? intelligence and wisdom. So there has, wisdom is when there's a reaction within and then you change, the outlook changes to life. This is how you need to gauge it. Right. Everyone have a great Sunday.